Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, we are on the road, Tom. They've let us out again. It's not quite the weather for it, to be fair. We've no, struggled it is our Wales, way, though. Yeah, struggled our way to Caerphilly, over the mountain, in your case, under the mountain, in my case, because I came on the train, and here we are. We are, and um, we are in what I feel to be the presence of celebs in Wales, in the in the education world. Um, we are with Impact Wales, or Impact Cymru, for those of you out there who are Welsh-speaking. Welcome to our lovely podcast. I have the pleasure of presenting Jane Miller and Finola Wilson. Hello. And the first thing I would like to know, please, is who are you? What do you do? And more importantly, tell us about the birth of Impact Wales. Well, shall I start? You start, Finn. Okay. So who are we? Well, we are, I suppose, technically an education consultancy, but I think we're we're a little bit more than that. We're we're an organisation who our mission is to put teachers and leaders who are working in schools in a position where they are the best informed that they can be in order to make the decisions they need to make for their pupils. So that's what we do and that's our mission in life. But, you know, we, we believe in impact. That's why we're called impact. And actually, we spent months and months thinking about what shall we call ourselves. And we went through multiple names, but we decided, well, you know, we do what it says on the tin. We have impact. So that's where we are. And simple as. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm a former secondary <clears throat> English teacher. And I'm a former maths teacher. So between us, we've got literacy and numeracy pretty much well covered. We most have. of many other things. But we've got quite um, a varied background, haven't we? Yeah, I've, I've taught through, um, well, in schools in London and in Cardiff for nigh on 20, or over 20 years. Maths was my predominant sub- subject, so I've worked through that. But I was also head of maths for a long time and an assistant head. So I've done lots of work on whole school assessment. But I also examine for one of the exam boards. We're both school governors. With both school governors. Um, Within our role within Impact, we do lots of associate work with lots of other companies as well, which we can talk Mm. about Mm. as we go through. Yeah, I I haven't had uh, the same background as Jane, which is quite handy for the business, but I've taught English at GCSE A-level, but I've also taught six-year-olds and I've also taught maths at GCSE, which is uh, terrifying. Uh, (laughs) But um, I started my career as an English as a foreign language teacher and I've also, I, I took time out with my children, but during that time, I worked for UK Athletics as a coach education tutor. Um, I was a personal trainer. I had my own coaching business. I ran a, a nationwide running club in Wales as well. I did a lot of things like um, transactional analysis and um, counselling and psychology. So I did, I, I had the opportunity both to run a business, but also to explore or, you know, education more more generally. So I think it's a nice compliment to Jane's in school. I'm the boring one. You're the fun one, really, aren't you? <laughs> oh, I'm definitely. I'm the traditional say that. one. You're the, the not so traditional. Yes, one. yes. Yeah. We have both traditional and non-traditional yes, experience. That's but that, nice I think that's why we work so well together. Because yeah. what I don't have, you have, and what you have, yeah. don't have. I we complement each other you well. Yeah. Perfect partnership. So how Absolutely. did you find one another? Well, we we were working on the the Welsh government contract for the NNF, the National Support Programme. And obviously that came to an end in July 2015 and we were having our last training session in the Novotel in Cardiff and uh, we were having lunch together and we were having a conversation about, well, you know, what would you do after the NSP? What What is out there to do? And um, we were talking about assessment, I think, 
and we're doing something completely different now but we we just kind of looked at each other and went shall we then yeah I think I think we thought there was still work to do with schools and lots of the work that we were we were working with them with the literacy numeracy we still felt that there was lots that we could offer schools and I think it was down that route that we started Mm -hmm. um so we did start really as predominantly as a literacy numeracy company but we've moved away from that well not so much moved away but we we do a lot of strategic work don't we we work with senior leadership teams helping them to create change we're also doing some work with south east wales helping them to create change for the um, additional learning needs act but there's um we do a lots on assessment as well so we've worked with nfer um with lots of different places started i think we've we've learned an awful lot we've had to learn an awful lot an awful very 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 quickly you know what we would started with in september 2015 yeah wasn't what we were doing by december 2015 which is quite a significant year really given that that was the year that the donaldson report was published yeah. so yeah. you've kind of come to being in a very important time in in wales's which is reform history. i mean it's, it's it's fascinating we did have i remember having a conversation at some point saying do you think we ought to start looking at the curriculum for wales document and successful features? do you think we yeah. ought to start maybe we should yeah yeah and we we soon realized that um that's absolutely the thing that schools in wales certainly want support with so at this moment in time now you're you're four years in to impact wales what would you say are your kind of core values as a as a company Okay, we've got a slide on this. I'll have to think what the slide says. Is we, we do this everywhere we go because I think it's really important for us as a company to set out what we believe in because obviously the most important thing that we believe in is impact. If it's not changing learning, if it's not making a difference to the pupils in the schools, then why are you doing it? And alongside that, it needs to be researched informed. At some point, there needs to have been some evidence that says this was a good idea. You know, we know that not everything works everywhere, but it needs to have at least worked somewhere once so that you can start to be critical and think about, evaluate, is this going to be right for my context? But also we we think it's very, very important that it needs to be simple. It needs to be straightforward because, you know, teachers are under such enormous pressure at the moment. It's impossible to do everything. So whatever they do do, has to have impact so it's got to be manageable their workload has to be reasonable you know they need to have a life as well so staying with the the kind of bespoke school support branch of of what you do a school approaches you with need of help in the vein of increasing impact how do you go about working with them to to facilitate change well we usually start off with a discussion predominantly with the slt and we'll go through um, quite a structured approach and look at what help them to decide what their actual need might be. And then we talk through them about ways that we can support them to help develop that, whether it's just working with the strategic team or working with the staff or groups of staff over, a, you know, either a, a term or, or of half a year, depending on what their particular need is at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think that first initial discussion is we say to the um, senior leadership and we often um, say this is if we don't feel that it's going to have impact we will walk away from things because we have been asked Mm. to do things like we tend not to do twilights because we know that at the end of a long day you know teachers are not thinking straight they they don't really want to be there so we tend not to do them because it doesn't have the impact Mm. but we have that initial discussion with um, senior leaders about what they think they need 
and then we can talk about well what might you actually need so we can we can be that touchstone for people because i think that's really important for senior leaders sometimes and for teachers is that there's someone outside of their immediate sphere that can actually you know be a touchstone have that discussion well you know is that is that suitable is that going to work is that appropriate and then I d- as jane I d- says i don't think we've ever done the same we've never thing done the same in the thing. same in a, in a different school at all no they're all variations and with a different slant depending on what the school actually yeah. actually needs because every school is different and, and, the, and the the, I mean that's really a big difference to what we started doing is when we started <coughs> we were offering workshops mm. we don't do workshops anymore the only workshop that we do is where other people book us uh, as a company that we'll provide them for other companies but all of our work with schools is completely bespoke. And for those of us who are not senior leaders and don't get to speak to you uh, personally in a bespoke way, I suppose you are most famous for your Twitter sketch notes. And certainly I discovered those uh, quite early on when I moved jobs. And I just assumed I'd missed them all those years. But it, it turns out that uh, you started making them roughly when I started doing this job. What's the story behind those? Was that always the plan that you were going no. to fill Twitter with this wonderful? very organic. It has been very organic. It was... Um, I don't know. It started, I can tell you exactly where it started. It started in a sketchbook with a curriculum for Wales plan. Some felt tips. Because I think we felt that everything was just so complicated. How could we make it simple for staff or for teachers to see? It was a school we were working at the time, wasn't it? Yeah. I remember you had a sketch, Finders all the sketch notes, by the way, that you had a sketchbook and you were working your way through doing your sketches in it and it's it's sort of taken off from there, really. And it has, and I think Twitter influenced it a great deal as well because when... I first started doing Twitter, I recognised pretty quickly that tweets that had pictures on them got retweeted. So obviously I started searching for pictures about the things that we were interested in. I came across Carol Duckworth uh, from Canada, who's a teacher in Canada who does sketch notes. Sylvia Sylvia Duckworth, sorry. Sylvia Duckworth. And she very kindly has put out on the internet a a beginner's guide to sketchnoting, which I downloaded and used and have improved over the last four years. I I think the, the, the trigger for that as well was at the end of our first year, we invested in an iPad. Yes, and an Jane Apple made pencil. the financial decision. You're having we an did. iPad, and I think from there, yeah. the the quality of them has just yeah got better and better. Yeah, and we've both read plenty of research that says that there's a gap between high level research findings and people at the chalk face, teachers at the chalk yeah. face. There's a real problem there. So, in the spirit of impact, what do you feel the impact of your sketch notes has been? Well, do you know what's really lovely when we see it on Twitter is when people have taken a sketch note in their school and they've done something with it and it's made a difference. That's the point, is that they are intended as, you know, a starting point. Because when you look at, for example, there's some Bjork's um, Desirable Difficulties is a really, really complex detailed research paper and it's quite difficult to just dive straight in and to make sense of it all so that the idea of the sketch note is to start the thought process before you read the research so that you've got some understanding of what you're expecting to get out of it and that's how schools are using it they're all sitting down with one or two of the sketch notes and having discussion pulling them apart and you know critical analysis of the actual sketch note and then looking at the research and then looking at their practice which is just amazing that that's what schools are doing i I don't think people actually do appreciate though finn how much time you spend researching and 
thinking yeah. about how you're going to structure and which elements of the research paper you. that you're going to put in the sketch note they're not something that you can just sit down and do in 10 yeah. minutes the, you the, might draw the ones, them in 10 minutes yeah. but the actual build up to it takes a long time i think one of the, some of the most popular ones i've i've probably had in my head i want to do that for about a week and i don't actually you know it'll be in the car or you know when i'm in the gym thinking about it and then the actual drawing of it probably takes i don't know about an hour or so but it's a lot of thinking and mm. and I, I do actually do uh, drafts in pencil first to think about how would it best look mm. because actually the way they're set out is I, sometimes I'll go through two or three drafts before I'll come up with the final version there was one I did and I actually put out a draft on it which was very unlike me I put out a draft on how to use the curriculum for Wales documents to plan so there are two versions out there and a little test for your listeners to see if they can find the original because the original I am not as happy with now but it was a process that I had to go through and we had to discuss before we decided how could you use the documents to to actually plan learning. And interestingly research into the impact of dual coding is is really really gaining momentum now it's quite quite visible to teachers you know the work of uh, Oliver Caviglioli etc but so did you already know about that research before you started sketchnoting? Which came first like, f- for you? Had you um, the it was it was kind of um, it's chicken and the egg, really, yeah, isn't it? It, yeah. Was, yeah. it was common sense, really. I think you know that in order to make sense of something, that you have to do something with it. Yeah. And when I'm writing notes, and I think most people do this when they write notes, is it, it won't necessarily be little pictures or little stick men, but you will draw arrows and have boxes and those kinds of things. So it's something that we naturally want to do, is we naturally want to organise things. So then when I look back at Pavio, Alan Pavio's dual coding work, that it actually made sense and some really interesting stuff out at the moment about triple barreled memory traces. Oh gosh, come on. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's the, the actual process of drawing a picture of something. So you you think about the thing that you're going to draw, you create a mental image, and then you actually physically draw it. And each of those steps creates a connection in your long-term memory. So you have three opportunities to pick up on, you know, the learning that you've had as part of that. So, you know, I honestly, we go out to schools and we can't understand, well, why are you not just drawing a picture of this? It's so quick and easy and it doesn't matter. The quality of what you draw is totally irrelevant. Well, that was going to be my next question, actually. You know, you you spoke about um, the work of uh, Sylvia Duckworth. Yes. Who gave you kind of the secrets behind Mm. sketchnoting. Do you ever teach that skill to teachers you're working with to help them make sense of, you know, how they're trying to problem solve the issues that they're experiencing in schools? We do. I think the only issue with that is it's actually sketchnoting looks really easy. But it's actually very complicated. Mm. And I think anybody who's had to had a go at it, you know, it's taken me four and a half years to get to a point where it looks good. Mm. But it, it and, and I was at one point I was doing two steps every single week. Mm. And I don't do quite as many as that anymore. But what we do do with schools is we show them the value of drawing which is kind of the precursor to sketch notes. Because sketch notes, there's so many elements of sketch notes. There's the drawing element of it. There's the reading comprehension element of it, deciding the significance of which piece of information. But then you have to think about how do I um, represent that significance in a visual form? And that's that's very difficult. And there are, you know, using mind maps is something that we probably do in schools all the time. But if you think of a straightforward mind map, 
you've just got a topic and just information around the side but if you're going to provide a hierarchy mm-hmm. are you going to use a fishbone chart are you going yeah. to use a double spray you know there's so many different ways to organize information yeah. so it's it's complex and it, it- it strikes me as something that as a, an assessment outcome would be would be really valuable for pupils you know if it, I think about the variety of forms of assessment that we use in, in a higher education um, context and you know the traditional essay is still alive and well and I just yeah. wonder if that kind of skill set is something that perhaps we need to be kind of incorporating more into our well, I, th- I think we can both say though that the sketch notes have for both of us given us a depth of understanding that is is far in excess of what you would expect from just reading and and i'd say it's also opened the door to lots of the work that we do on cognitive science yeah as well i think through exploring what sketchnoting has been able to do Mm. and by using by using that with some schools that we've worked with it's like oh well let's look at the cognitive science and that side of Mm. it and how it all links together Mm, we've just i've literally just created a new piece of work on um the science of motivation and dopamine Mm. fascinating it's like light bulb moments all the time and i think that's what sketchnoting does is when you draw is you have to make connections because you have to have that cognitive process and you have to create a mental image and you have to organise it in your own brain. Mm-hmm. And I think that that depth of cognitive processing doesn't really come anywhere else. I would agree with that. We've, we've done a little bit ourselves. We've dabbled, haven't we, Tom? Just Trying bit, to yeah. make sense of Good our students. Uh, they've got to accumulate a portfolio of evidence right. um, to demonstrate their progress as they move towards QTS and beyond. And taking inspiration from the work that you do, we thought, well, we need to make this visual. So, you know, thank you for that. It's, it, it's had, you know, wide ramifications in the things that we do. So I, I wanted to go back to research-informed teaching and research-informed practice. You've stated quite clearly that it's one of your core beliefs as an organisation. And I just wanted to know, where did that start for you? When did you as individuals start to become sort of on board with and convinced by evidence-informed practice or research-informed practice? That's a really difficult That is a difficult one. I I would say it's the dual coding. Yeah. Because that was right about the start of it. Yeah, and I think we were doing that right from the beginning, weren't we? Because we we incorporated in July 2015 uh, but we didn't start trading really until September so we had the summer to kind of get together and you know sort things out I think Twitter had developed at that point so I think we were using the dual coding from the around about September October it it was when it was when the the Donaldson report first came out because that was when the first it's quite sad that I can remember the very first sketch note isn't it (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I think it's um in that in that first period when successful futures came out I think one of the first things I wanted to do was you know look at the back and go references where does this come from you know what supports this and I think it's it's something certainly that we've both been interested in if somebody says something then you say well why and there's and it's very much we look back at the experience that we had when we were teaching and we said we'll, we'll we used to do things because we knew it worked yeah but now we've had the luxury of the time to go back and say ah that's why it's worked because of this bit of research yeah mm. so we can link back to what we knew worked in the classroom because as, as a teacher you do you know some things work with a particular class you might well go and try that with a different class and it doesn't work at all mm. so you, you've got that time to to trial what does and what doesn't work and i think that's that's mm. the luxury we've had um, as we know where together. it comes yeah. from now but i think it's it's several times we've gone Oh, right, okay, that's why I yeah. happen to do it that way. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's nice to hear you talking about 
it that way because as Tom said we've done quite a bit of research into you know what informs teachers classroom practice and mm. the significance of craft knowledge being yeah. kind of one end of a, a spectrum leading all the way up to kind of you know meta-analyses like the work of Don Hattie mm. but actually they're on that continuum so we've yeah. got to kind of find ways to allow teachers to kind of step into the realms you know towards. and I think if you forget about your own personal experience in the te- in the classroom as a teacher and the feedback that you get from the pupils if you forget about that and you just say well this is this is what the research says therefore I should do this then you're taking away a whole layer of really important critical analysis of your own process and your own work because I mean there's a there's something out at the moment uh, about retrieval and retrieval is retrieval practice now Mm. is is becoming a little bit faddy Mm. and we are seeing an awful lot of descriptions of you know well everybody needs to do a low stakes quiz at the beginning of the lesson if you don't have that but does it work you know let me just evaluate what I've done let me just reflect on that for a second why am I doing it why yes absolutely we were actually in a school the other day talking about action research and they've they've got some very detailed action research going on everybody's involved they're all doing it it's all focused on an an element of their work but we're not convinced that the senior leadership team actually know why they're doing it or what the purpose of it is I was going to ask actually research informed practices of is a phrase that's getting bandied around an awful lot at the moment and I'm not sure we all kind of entirely know what it means and what it looks like. I'm getting the sense that schools are coming on board with the idea of generating their own findings in the classroom, you know, classroom action research. I'm wondering from what you're saying whether the ability and the skill set to transform or translate existing research knowledge into a form that they can use is that perhaps a little bit of a missing piece at the moment and what can we do about it yes i mean we feel that the most important use for research in schools is to put teachers in a position when they can start to consider what to do next consider whether it's the right thing or do or not and reflect on what they've done and i think there is a push in wales to make teachers teacher researchers which is a horrible term, but, you know, it's there. And their their first and foremost job is to teach pupils. And actually, they need to be in a position where they have the information to make the best choices. And actually, there is a wealth of research out there, a lot on cognitive science, but other educational psychology research, other research out there that we're not aware, that we know that schools are not aware of. And, you know, some of this research has been, is robust studies, large scale studies, has been replicated multiple times, it's been around for decades, and yet schools don't know about it. You know, the the simple fact of drawing, how many schools are using drawing for cognitive processing at all levels? You know, we are professionals, we use it, therefore it's good enough for A-levels, it's good enough for right down to foundation phase. So, Mm -hmm. you know, those kinds of very straightforward things, Mm -hmm. uh, we feel that those, those are the first stop, certainly. And I suppose now that we've got Twitter, the mass communication tool of Twitter, there are edu Twitter celebrities saying the research says this in black and white terms, perhaps for reasons of their own. And I suppose we all need the ability to critically ask them questions about that, because otherwise we get back to this age old problem of your lesson is not excellent unless it has X, Y and Z in it. Absolutely. And let's not forget that, you know, it is social media. You know, it isn't reality. Um, you know, we need to question everything. Mm. And I think that they're, that that's where teachers need to be at the moment, question everything. Is it right mm. for my class, mm. for my school? Is it actually addressing their needs? Is it actually making a difference? 
And in that vein, you know, we are our, our main audience members are student teachers who are at whatever point on their journey. What kind of pearls of wisdom can you impart to them starting on their journey as teachers um, in order for them to be a on board with impact and and seeking impact and b seeking to get under the skin of research and at a minimum be inquirers in the classroom that's that's quite an advanced question isn't it for students because <laughs> i i mean i'm thinking back to my own student days i don't know about you jane it was um, a long time ago long time yeah. we're not telling you how long um and i think you know, survival was your first port of call, mm. wasn't it? But I think maybe once you've gone on beyond survival and, you know, you've you've managed to get them to do what you want them to do when you want them to do it, I think it's really thinking about what's next. What is it that these pupils need next? I can remember distinctly doing, um, talking about my own personal experience, I was doing uh, um, speeches. We were doing uh, Martin Luther King, um, um, I Have a Dream speech and various other speeches and so the, the you know the upshot of it was that they were supposed to write their own speech and we'd been through all the persuasive language and they'd looked at all figurative language and all that and then they they wrote their speeches and they were starting to give their speeches and within two minutes I realized well what I've done is not good enough because they might have used the odd rhetorical question but they haven't got it not one single one of them so we just had to stop throw everything out the window and then look at and I realized at that point that it was all about modeling and they needed to actually see it happening in process Mm -hmm. and I think that's the thing is don't be afraid to stop if it doesn't work but you need to know you need to find ways I've got a lovely little sketch note on that seven ways to check for understanding but you need to know if it's working as soon as possible Mm. rather than all the work I did and then realizing oh they haven't got it it's to be as evaluative as possible isn't it and Mm. it's to you know, not beat yourself up if you have a bad lesson or you, you don't get the outcome that you particularly want. You look at possibly ways at which you might have tried that in a slightly different way mm. and then crack on and have another go at it. It's it's always that learning. We're still learning. Yes. Um, now, after how many years, we ne- you know, you yeah, never well, stop. We, it's never a job that's done. When we do our inset, we always do evaluations and we, we always do. look at the evaluations and we always think about, well, what went well? What didn't go mm. well? How could we change that? What would yeah. we do next time? So there's never a time where you stop thinking about how can mm. I improve? But it's, it is always going back to the why. Why are you doing things in the yeah. classroom? What is the purpose? And, and I think that, sorry to interrupt, exactly. I was just thinking of something that we put in one of our, our training sessions recently. It's if you're doing a complex task, is knowing where the end is and naming the steps. Because at each point, if you're going to name the steps, then you can check for success at the end of each of those steps. And I think that's a really practical way of saying, do I know it's working? That's excellent advice. Mm. Thank you both for that. And final question is about the next four years. You've been going for four years now. What are your hopes for the next four years for Impact Wales? <laughs> well, domination, yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Other than that, yeah. Yeah. manic laugh. Then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were um, well. We were talking recently. We've just very successfully, and yeah. it's been really amazing that we've now got a membership platform on our website, so that people can not only go in and download sketch notes, but they can download professional learning packs which actually take you through a single topic like dual coding or retrieval practice and you know help you to start thinking about where am I going with this so we're beginning to think about the next step for that and you know what's what that might look like and because professional learning is changing budgets are tight 
not everybody can you know afford to buy a sim for a day not just in in money but in time as well so what does it look like what does professional learning of the future look like and it, i i think we probably we've recognized it looks quite different mm. we we're obviously will still keep on doing what we do going into schools but i think there's there's a an additional arm to that that we need to be you know innovating we are always innovating we're always thinking about as you say the next four years mm. we do actually have a list of where do we want to be in 10 years time mm. so we we and we go back and we have a look at that on a regular basis but we can't give any secrets yet no no we wouldn't expect it we'll we'll watch this space yeah. well thank you for that deep discussion i'm going to be a bit cheeky and ask uh, a couple of questions about our extra slots now we didn't prep you for this but i'm going to ask okay. them anyway we often give well-being tips to our student teachers and I was wondering as as professionals to business women heading your own company how do you look after your own well-being well I think we talk I think we're very very in the very fortunate position that we can talk quite candidly to each other so if something is concerning one of us we will offload and we do talk analyze things quite carefully don't Over we and pick half it and half on a Friday. we do we do oh, we do nice. pick things apart like style. <laughs> and, and it is about sharing that don't keep things to yourself yeah. if you've got something concerning you you do share and you talk about it if you're but, yeah if you're but, something's bothering but i think you. it's also being able to find that balance between home life and work life yeah and that it, it's very much we've been very fortunate i think in the way that we work in that i remember by going back at school i was talking about this with my husband in the car this morning about I can't remember you know, when I was at, teaching at school, the number of Sundays you, I used mm. to spend at the kitchen table marking. Mm. You, you need to give yourself some time. So, you know, where you can cut down on, on the administration side of teaching yes. and find that balance between home life. Because the, the bottom life. line is if you are not well enough yeah. to do your job, there's no point. Yeah. You know, you need mm. to keep yourself well. And yeah. Um, yeah. And, and and don't think at school if if you're struggling you have to keep it to yourself you need to talk to people because absolutely you know nine times out of ten everyone else is yeah. feeling the same and you know have a it hobby is, yeah bit have of a life. side hustle have absolutely a you've got yeah. to have a life have a life yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah thank you for that I think we've got a wealth of some things to try in this uh, in this podcast you've mentioned a lot of things so we, we we've definitely covered that but is there anything that you're reading at the moment that you you'd say to our student teachers definitely go and have a look at X doesn't have to be educational okay i'm going to tell you what i'm reading on audible because um i i don't tend to sit down and read books because i don't have time isn't that awful so what i do is it's an hour and a quarter to the office and we are often i am we were in london that's a four and a half hour drive so i have audible that and um the the latest one i'm reading is simon sinek the infinite game and it talks about um how football that's a finite game you know you, you play the game you have two t opposing teams and then you finish and you win or lose at the end and people talk about business but they also talk about education as if there are winners and losers you know I'm going to be the best I can be at when in fact that's not the case you can we can Jane and I despite you know what we would like can never be the best at supporting schools with bespoke because that's just not how it works. So this is a fascinating book saying, well, if it's not a finite game, if you can't be the best you can be, what can you 
do and it's i'm finding it absolutely fascinating but it's not it's not probably something that is an immediate choice for an NQT. but it's nice to go outside yeah. of of education just to kind of and often it unlocks things yeah. that you hadn't been simon sinek is is a fascinating writer of leaders eat last and his his golden circle define your why i think it's really important for everybody mm. see it, a mean typical brain freeze i can't even think of anything that i've read but i i do tend to read to read very shorter for much shorter blogs or or things that i find on twitter that i find interesting usually to do with education but i will tend to read odd little things you know there's a really really interesting blog out there that i know we both read i'm going to give you the answer to your question now here now this is my Um, age i've got a memory relapse becky allen put out a um a blog about accountability and it was a real blue sky thinking well if we're not going to have a you know finite measurement tool for accountability what would we it look like and i would just challenge everyone to go out and find that one on her you know the kind of blue sky thinking for accountability by becky allen it was professor becky allen it was really interesting lovely thank you for your generosity thank you for your time and poor look for the future no thank you thank you thank you for coming over the mountain That was Emma and Tom's PGCE podcast presented by Emma, Thea and Tom Breeze. The special guests this episode were me, Fanola Wilson and Jane Miller and we're Impact Wales. You can find us on the web at impact.wales where you can sign up to access our lovely sketchnotes or request our bespoke support for your school. For more on sketchnoting, check out the work of Sylvia Duckworth. We're off to make a start on our world domination plan. Until next time, take care and enjoy teaching. Mm-hmm.